You're listening to the Premier Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Filter Free Podcast. I am your host, TJ Stevens. Well, I'm problematic. Out of my left earbud. Getting off to a banging start here. Joining me as always. Step ends. Dollar Bill Dave. Yeah. I touch myself. I, I just need to clip that. Just Dave. <laughs> it for, I touch myself. And Timmy C. Goo, goo, goo. Dave's is awesome. And he got a new hat and a toy. <laughs> Are you drunk? Yes or no? And it's marked on the right-hand side for both. Time moment drawers get my panties wet. I love it. We've covered this butt wipe on a few different occasions. Butt wipe? You don't call people butt wipe anymore? No. I'm not I'm not seven. Good news is I've limited the producer's amount to screw us over this, so we're actually gonna get to sing along with the songs now. You are welcome. Hello and welcome to the Filter Free Podcast. I am your host, T.J. Stevens. Step hands. Joining me as always, Dollar Bill Dave. Rocket City Dave. That's right. He is now, well, I mean, you're in Illinois for this show, but this will be the last one, I believe. Yep. I just had to come back so the movers could come and we could close on this house. Congratulations, sir. Done. Done with the Midwest. Stupid here. Speaking of stupid Midwest, Timmy C's here also. Timmy in the Red Rocket City. Is that what y'all call Kentucky? I just like Red Rockets. The whole state? Yes. <laughs> Red, Red, Red Rocket City. Red State. Um, the the Red, Red Rocket City State. Yep. County. Commonwealth. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review this show wherever you get your podcast. While you're at it, follow the show on Twitter at FF Podcast, on Instagram at Filter Free Podcast. Follow our Patreon network on Twitter at Filter Free Net. Of course, make sure you follow the Premier Streaming Network uh, at Watch on Premier. But Timmy, if they go to www.patreon.com forward slash Filter Free, what is coming up in their foreseeable future? We're getting close. We're getting real close. That's what I Dave, said. Dave's not paying attention, but he's going to be there for football is getting paid with Tim and Dave coming soon. If he ever I'm, leaves, I have to job. travel to make my bets. Now this is stupid. <laughs> Good news is you're still pretty close to Tennessee, so you'll be all right. Kentucky actually goes legal. It's been voted in. It's legalized. I think October, November, we become fully legal and I won't have to leave my house. You will also get Evolution of Evil, Wrestling with Commercials, Legends Let's Rethink This, our list of bus rides and events that, I, I don't know, I, maybe. we got one coming, I believe, for sure. Well, most of us are going to be at StarCast. We, yes, I, I will, all, me, you, and the fund director, Justin, will be at StarCast. However... Um, we are working it, and I will not be there for all out. As soon as StarCast is over, I am headed back home because I start afternoons the next day. I love when you're on afternoon. That's my Every, favorite. Everyone loves because we have to record four episodes in a week. 
which by the way, we just recorded the episode that's going to drop in two days, six hours ago. And now we're going to do this one. And I think we have to get another one in the can. So we, we have to get all the way midway through September, I think this week or next week <laughs> because of Dave moving and my after my shift work starts soon and Timmy lives in Kentucky. So <laughs> I don't know what that has to do with anything, but okay. And, well, and we Dave and I have legitimate reasons. You you never do. You're just there. You're just in Kentucky making ribs. That's I am I every Sunday I make I love ribs. Just for yourself today or what? No, uh, Jonathan's actually at work right now, and then I'll have some for him, and I'll probably take some to his mom and her husband. I got two racks on. I like to give ribs. We should also mention with uh, our new partnership with the Premier Streaming Network and Premier Podcast Network. I love them. I also love them a lot. Outside of our show, which of course is fantastic, and also a huge shout out to Josh Chernoff because if you go to the homepage. And go, which I'm looking at right now. And if you go through the podcast and the shows, he made our logo fantastic. It is. It's great. I love it. It's the uh, the diner logo that we have. Our OG logo, yeah. And uh, also, I want to take this time to give a little shout out to our artist. Because we've thrown a lot on him <laughs> the last man. couple of weeks. Because going to premiere, there's a lot more specs involved with the artwork. And he has met the mark every time. And every week is a lot better. My name is Steve on Twitter. Yes. Um, again, this this show. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Not the show. The ECW show. Crushed it. Um, I'm sure he's going to crush this one. But if you go to uh, Premier Streaming Network, their website, which is watchonpremier.com, they have everybody's got a pod with Ted DiBiase, one of a kind with RVD, the news with the major wrestling figures podcast, Sabu Speaks, House of Wrestling. Josh Chernoff is on Good every job, other house. House. He uh, Josh Chernoff's on every other show. For example, Spotlight Series. He's also on So Says So Says Chernoff. He's also on On the Ropes. He's also on That Was Extreme. He's also on Talking with Friends. He's also been on this show before. He has been on this show before, way back in the day. Actually, it was the first uh, Top Guy Weekend we recorded that show for ad free shows. Chop Sports Social, Squeaky Bum Time Podcast, Jersey Boys Podcast, The Undisputed Podcast with Bobby Fish, Pro Football News with Tony Catalina and Aiden Davis, Diamond Marks Dudecast, and the Chop Sports Fact, uh, Fight Factory. And always, we save the best two as the last two. We have IRFB with Efren and our friend Mike Kyoto, former guest on this show, and of course, the game event hosted by our longtime great personal friend Efren all those and so much more when you subscribe to watchonpremiere.com you saw Efren last week I did what a joy um it's it, you you it is impossible to be around Efren and have a bad time you've never done a podcast with him I have but I've never <laughs> there's a difference and in three Hello, this is Ef- shit. Yeah, if, if, <laughs> if you guys watch Efren and are not aware, um, all three of us are very good friends with Efren, and every single time he does a show, he sends us a cut-up video of like the thirty-eight counting in intros he does, and messes up every time. It's great. Correct. But that's all 
I mean, there, not, there's impact wrestling uh, shows on, on premiere Starcast six is good. You, you'll probably see me somewhere on that. You probably see all of us there somewhere else. Uh, premiere streaming network. This is so much. You won't see Dave there. No, I'll, I'll be in Alabama. More content than you can shake a stick at is, is, is what is over there. And I've tried. I, mean, I, I, my daughter brought me a stick the other day and I <laughs> shook it. <laughs> uh, now that I feel like a giant dork, are we ready to start this show? Well, you are a giant dork. So I am. Checks out. I love that. Uh, Dave noticed my hair immediately when I got on here. I didn't notice so your hair because you don't have any. Yeah, it's gone. You don't look homeless anymore. I like it. I like it. Yeah, he looks. I, I, I kind of like looking homeless. So I look menacing. Should probably put a hat on it though. It's, yeah. Well, am I gonna get some Dave, in my Dave, basement? I'm used to Dave being bald. I'm not used to <clears> you being bald. I mean, give it a week. It'll the stubble will grow back pretty good. Dave lost his hair at 13. But then again, you know, in a week we would have already recorded, you know, six months worth of episodes. So I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> By the time I come back, I might have them all again. Who knows? But before we get to the future. Let's go back to the past, because this week, we're going back to uh, August 29th, 1987, as we relive some NWA World Championship Wrestling. And I got to tell you guys, I think this is the fifth or sixth one of these I've watched. I've, I've liked all of them. I like that you have the option to pick ones that are like 43 minutes, but you're like, no, let's do the hour and a half one. So, to be honest, when I pick these, and I probably should stop doing this, I don't look at the time. I look at what's on the card or what's in the description. So, And I saw Nikita Koloff and Tully. Spoiler alert. And I go, oh, we're watching that one. Anyway. But before we get to that show, let's run through some events. Filter free. Up first, stories that missed the cut. August 1st, Ib Arena Bowl 1 in Pittsburgh as the Denver Dynamite beat the Pittsburgh Gladiators 45-16. to And your MVP is Gary Mullen. I went to an Arena Bowl. Went to Arena Bowl 12 in 98. In Tampa, Orlando, Orlando destroyed Tampa. It was terrible. <laughs> was that Kurt Warner or? No. Some other grocery grocery. Kurt store. Warner played in Iowa. And Kurt Warner was already the Rams in 98. Whatever. Good job, you. August 1st, Mike Tyson beats Tony Tucker by decision in Las Vegas. He becomes the first boxer to ever win, the, win and hold the WBA, WBC, and IBF titles all at the same time. Boxing titles are so stupid. They are stupid. All the different organizations is trash. I want, it's somebody, like, I want to see somebody win the AEW, WWE, NXT, and IWGP all at the same time. I, I would also like that. And Ring of Honor. Don't forget and, Ring of Honor. And uh, SCW Pro. Can I can I make a can I make a suggestion? Well, now that you said SCW Pro, it throws it off, and now it's going to be JT Energy. But originally, I was going to say Braun Breaker. But you, good you close personal off. friend of the show. Yes. JT Energy. His, he's right over my shoulder. That's I know weird. that guy. Uh, August 1st, MTV Europe begins with Elton John turning on the switch. The first video they show is Money for Nothing by the Dire Straits. Love that video. Great video. In the category of there's no possible way that song could debut today. I give we you got the money. install microwave. Money for nothing by the Dire Straits. Custom kitchen delivery. It's a whole we song about furniture delivery. Yeah, and then there's some words you can't say, but yeah, yeah, problematic. Yeah, like August, penis. He does not say penis. That'd be better. August second, Mario Andretti wins the Marlboro 500 at Michigan and sets the fastest average speed for any IndyCar race ever at 171.49 miles per hour. 
Love that race because instead of drinking milk at the end, you'd smoke a pack of heaters. Well, it is Michigan, so yeah, Michigan's a hole. I've actually I've been mm. to the NASCAR race in Michigan. I, I didn't go anymore. I went for like 13 straight years with my dad. I've been to Daytona, not for a race. Just I, I've tour. also been to Daytona. My wife let me go on a tour on her honeymoon. I did a tour, yeah. It's because she's awesome. Who who was the uh, winner of the Daytona 500? You took the picture with the car with Joey Logano. I was oh god, that's, ew, that's recent. I I was Matt Kenseth in the Dewalt. Uh, that was 2017. I went in like 2012, 2013. Was it? Oh my god, yeah. No, it's 2016. What? Just, when Matt Kenseth won? No, when I went to Daytona. Oh, yeah, I went in like 2012, 2011, 2012. What year did like I get married? Do you guys know? I don't know what year you were born. So 1984. Thank you. He was, was married. Say, he was married in 1984. Yeah, before yeah. I was. Congratulations, born. Mrs. Very, TJ. Very impressive. I was b- married before I was born. August seventh, Sidney Crosby, the Pittsburgh Penguins, was born in Nova Scotia. Blame Canada. A. 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 August ninth, the Rams beat the Cowboys in London because, of course, twenty-eight to twenty-seven. Did Kurt Warner win that Arena Bowl? Yes. Okay. Good. Yep. Beat Danny White. I don't think so. Actually, I think he did beat Danny White in this game. August 14th, Mark McGuire breaks a home run rookie record when he hits number 39. He would end up with 49. Steroids. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, we covered it last week. He didn't do steroids. Took Andrew when it was legal. No, he did steroids. Okay. He, I mean, he took Andrew, but he also did steroids. Right in his butt. Mm, that's where it goes, usually. August 14th. New York Mets legend Tim Tebow is born in Makati, Philippines. Dave, how many times did he beat FSU when he was quarterback at Florida? Couple. <laughs> A handful. August all, 17th, all of them, thank you. The Dow Jones Industrial Average closes above 2700 for the first time ever. I'd like to have dropped about 100 grand into the Dow that day. When you now, were Now would be a billionaire. I mean, I guess you were old enough to do that back then, so yeah. I was eight. <laughs> August 17th, Foreman Jeremy Nazi deputy and world-renowned asshole Rudolf Hess dies at age 93 when he commits suicide. Couldn't have happened to a nicer guy. Amen. I did a uh, paper on him in high school. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. He's a terrible human. I mean, I, I read that. I knew that just from the sentence I just read. <laughs> Former German Nazi deputy? You Done. think? Right, that's it. That's all you need. He, he was like... Hitler's right-hand man. Yes, he which, was. He was, yeah, he was a terrible person. Very important cog in the German wheel in World War II. Also a red-nosed reindeer. Spelled differently. Kind of like Stevens and Stepans. Spelled differently. <laughs> August 18th. Donald Harvey, an Ohio healthcare worker, sentenced to triple life for poisoning 24 patients. The next day, Michael Ryan kills 16 people and then himself in Hungerford, England. That sounds like a good time. Not a not a great two days for humanity. August twenty second. Who's that girl by Madonna goes number one. Hudakisha Nastita. I don't even know what she says in that song, other than "Who's that girl?" Senorita esta niña. I like I like that you uh, you gave it the old college try though. I do appreciate that about you. That's what she said. Ah, August twenty fifth. Blake Lively is born in L.A. Hot. Great. Great pitcher for the Reds. I don't think it's the same one. I don't think it's the same one. 
I, I don't think his name is Blake either, but good. I, I saw it and was like, they have a pitcher named Lively. His arm is not, unfortunately. Thanks, James, for that random note you put in here. August 26th, Paul Molitor goes 0 for 4, ending his 39-game hitting streak. He would go on to bat 353 this season and led the league in runs and doubles. Oh, Paul Molitor does not get the credit he deserves. It's because he played in Milwaukee. And the Twins and the Blue Jays. Yeah. He won a World Series of the Blue Jays, didn't he? And with the Twins. Was he part of that Joe Carter team? Yes, the second one. And I think he won one with the Twins. He might have won one with the Brewers. I think about it. He might have won a World Series. All right, they. The when was the last time the Brewers won a World Series? Eighty-one, nineteen fifty-four. It was like right after the Cubs won. Shut up. It's got mean. August twenty-eighth, Mike Schmidt of the Philadelphia Phillies passes Ted Williams and Willie McCovey on the career home run list with number five twenty-two. I still love the call from his five hundredth home run. That announcer should be in the Hall of Fame just for that call. Down goes Anderson. Down goes Anderson. Is that what he said? I don't know. That's home run that's number the... five hundred for Michael Jack Schmidt. That's what the guy said when Tim Anderson got fucking rocked last week. Mm. The radio guy said that he was right too. By yes, the way, uh, down he went. Molitor won a World Series. He was on the second uh, Blue Jays team. Okay. He was with the Brewers till 92, so it would not be possible for him to be on the Twins World Series team. He came in the Twins after Toronto. And as far as the last time the Brewers won a World Series, I could have swore it was the 80s. No, you're thinking of those uh, Harvey Wallbanger Brewers, but they didn't win anything because they're the Brewers. They were in 82. They lost the Cardinals. Some close. Some Which is weird because now they're in the same division. They are. And they both wore baby blue because everyone wore baby blue in the piss early on the Cardinals, mid-90s. by the way. Yes. Also, your Cubs making a ferocious comeback right now. They're the hottest team in the National League. How about them apples? The Rays have won two straight walk-offs. Wander Franco. The Reds got rained out last night. That's That Wander that's, Franco home run was insane. The way the Reds are playing right now, that's the only way you can't lose a game. Hey, we we did beat the Pirates the first game. Wow, the Pirates. <laughs> we got a double header today. We might win too. With their with their world renowned first baseman, Connor Joe. Hey, Joe. <laughs> August 29th. Nolan Ryan strikes out his 200th batter of the season, the 11th time he'd done that in his career, which is a major league record. Did you see that he and Pete Rose did like this TED talk together? No. Yeah. I bet you could learn a lot from that. How to hit and how to pitch. And how to gamble. And how to beat the piss out of Robin Ventura. Robin Ventura. I'm going to do a TED Talk specifically on how to beat up Robin Ventura. Just it's punch him in the top of the head talk. 58 times. <laughs> stories in the wheelhouse, August 2nd and 3rd. We have two huge baseball stories to start us off. As Eric Davis, Baltimore Who? Orioles legend. Becomes, becomes the seventh player to hit 30 home runs and steal 30 bases in one season. And Joe Necro of the Minnesota Twins is ejected and suspended for 10 games in the now infamous clip of him being caught with a nail file. Timmy's astute with the Baltimore Orioles history, so I will take Necro here. And Dave can choose whichever one he wants. We're going to talk about Wade Boggs. Okay. That, that seems legit. 
Joby WCW Frillo. world champion of Florida State Seminole legend Ron Simmons. That's oh, boo. I need to boo noise on here. He made his debut on April 16th, 1967 for your Chicago Cubs. This is Joe Necro here, by the way. And retired with the Twins after the follow after the 87 season. I'm sorry, after the 88 season. I don't know how to write very well. His longest tenure with one team was with the Astros from 75 to 85. The career knuckleballer had a very good career, racking up 221 wins in his career with an ERA of three and a half and 1,747 strikeouts. According to umpire Tim Sheeta, Necro was known was a known ball scuffer, and rather than throwing balls out of play, he would put them in his extra pouch in case evidence was needed. Sheeta said every ball he would keep didn't have normal nicks. They had gouges the size of Nicks. a half dollar. What'd I say? No, he, he's talking about the underpants. Nicks. You can keep, you can keep going. Oh, <laughs> Nicks. <laughs> Ball's bloody. <laughs> <During the game. laughs> Got an extra pouch. During the game here against the Angels, the officiating crew came to the mound and told Necro to empty his pockets. Necro reached into his pockets, pulled his hands, and threw them in the air. And every board and a piece of sandpaper flew out of his pocket. Umpire Steve Palermo spotted the flying objects. Necro insisted he was filing his nails in the dugout, but American League President Bobby Brown did not believe him and ordered a 10-game suspension. That's his prerogative. I think that's a little light on the suspension. It's his prerogative. Leave him alone. Sheeta revealed in 2021 that Joe had a hunk of sandpaper trimmed and glued to the palm of his left hand. It was touched up to look like flesh. Very ingenious, really. When Necro wanted extra movement, he would take off his glove and rub the baseball if he, as if he was trying to improve grip. Necro had put his left hand in that pocket trying to work off the sandpaper in his palm when the umpires came to the mound. <laughs> what a moron. <laughs> Love it. I like, yeah. He's trying to win. Yep. DJ, lick my balls about that Orioles comment. Eric the Red. In 1987, he became the first. Was that a Viking in... guy? It's pretty nope. stupid. That's nickname. Eric Davis's nickname. Eric pretty stupid. The Red. Should be just oh, Eric Davis. Okay. All right. Well, let's see how this works out for you. In 1987, he became the first player in Major League history to hit three grand slams in one month. And the first to achieve at least 30 home runs and 50 stolen bases in the same season. But there's more. Over a 162 game period spanning June 11th, 86 to July 4th, 1987, he batted 308, had a 406 on base percentage, 622 slugging percentage, with 47 home runs, 149 runs scored, 123 RBIs, and 98 stolen bases. Ronald Acuna Jr. is going to do that this year. The 40-90 club is something you don't hear much about. In May 1997, Davis was diagnosed with colon cancer. He also enjoyed smoking heaters. Mm. Wade Boggs is in the 50-100 club. So what? What, 50 hits and 100 His his age is 50-100? 40-90s for losers. He's in 50-100. Uh, no, he Wade Boggs did not steal a hundred bases. In Is that for career. his career, <laughs> <laughs> including Little League? <laughs> <laughs> By September, while he was still in treatment, Davis returned to the oil or or Oilers. The Oilers. Oilers. He, he played football too. By the way, he was in treatment for cancer and went back to playing baseball. Cancer treatment left him tired, but he worked hard to regain his form. 
and was well enough to hit a game-winning home run in the 1997 American League Championship Series. After the season, he was given the Roberto Clemente Award. He serves as an honorary board member of multiple... Myeloma. Exactly. Research Foundation. By the year, the 97 ALCS, was that the one against the Yankees where the kid reached over the, the wall and stole a home run from Tony Batista? I don't know. I think that was. I think he stole it from Dave Batista. Sure. Davis was brought back for the 98 season and had one of his best seasons hitting 327, which was fourth in the AL, and hitting 28 homers. This was after cancer treatment. Mm-hmm. He also hit in 30 consecutive games that season. Along with other business interests, Davis currently works as a roving instructor for the Reds organization. Dude's legit. He was a great ball player. Cancer probably cut him short, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, and, and unfortunately, he played in the same time. There's just, there's this kid named Ken Griffey playing at the same time, so I don't think he got the attention he deserved. He did not play with Ken Griffey. Not with him at the same time. No, he did Eh, sort of. Griffey Do came in the league in 90. Davis yeah. Davis came in in 80. Well, Griffey came in in 88, but Davis came in in 84. So they played at the same time, stupid. <laughs> Uh, let's just let's just do this. But today, I'm the greatest of all time. Here it is. Eight. Pressure with three. Once he's gonna run the ball. Makes a guy miss. Comes down there. Over the second rafter. Off the floor. Nothing. Through the window, off the wall, nothing but that. You like that? You like that? I like that. You gotta like that, right? Ah, yes, my fantasy quarterback. It's really starting to freak me out now that I've noticed that Kirk Cousins can talk about moving his jaw. It's really upsetting. All right, Kirk Cousins. You like that? You got to like that. All right, we here have, we go. We have a whole town like 20 miles from us where everyone in that town talks without moving their mouth. It's because they don't have any Kentucky. Kentucky. Here we go. 1987. Major League Baseball season. We're going to start as we usually do with batting average leaders. We're going to, I mean, there's some goodies on here. So we're going to go, we're going to go five here. Tony Gwynn. Tony Gwynn led the league 370. Wade Boggs. Kirby Puckett. Wade, Wade Boggs was second, 363. Kirby Puckett, sixth, 332. Don Mattingly. Don Mattingly, a 327. There's four. Look at you guys go. You haven't, you Eric haven't, the Red. You haven't, picked one, you haven't picked one wrong until just now. Eric Davis not on the list. Idiot. Uh, let's see. You guys almost had a perfect inning, and Timmy had to throw in Eric Davis. 87. <laughs> Barry Larkin. <laughs> Jack Clark. <laughs> Jack Clark. I think you mean Will a, Clark and no. No, I mean Jack Clark. He was well, first baseman for the Cardinals. Yeah, well, and they no. were in the World Series that year. No to Jack and Will. Neither one were in there. Uh, Howard Johnson. Hojo. Oh, Hojo. No. That's a good guess. That is a good guess. Uh, let's see here. How many do we need? Need one more. We need one more. 87. I mean, one of them we were just talking about. Joe Necro. I don't think I don't think he I don't think he was there. No, he was in the he was in the stories that missed the cut. 
Timmy and I had a very lengthy kind of actually I looked up shit for him. Mario Andretti. No. <laughs> Didn't look at anything at Mario Andretti. Blake Lively. Me. Who? Blake Lively. You've got Mark guys... McGuire. No. Paul Molitor. Paul Molitor, number three, 353 of the Robin Brewers. Yow. Here's the rest of your top 10 at number 10. Tony Fernandez of the Blue Jays. Number nine, Kevin Seitzer. Number seven, Tim Raines, former show topic here. Rock Raines. Number five, Pedro Guerrero. And number four, former show topic, Alan Trammell of the Detroit Tigers. Oh, Bubba Trammell. Oh, Bubba Trammell. Let's move to home run leaders. Mark McGuire. Uh, Only because because of the last topic, I'm going to make you do five again. Mark McGuire tied for the league lead with 49. Conseco. Jose Canseco, no. Eric Davis. Eric Davis, sixth with 37. There's two. Kevin Mitchell. Kevin Mitchell, no. Mm. Kevin Millwood. Daryl Strawberry. Daryl Strawberry, fifth with 39. There's three. Uh, Let's see. Dave has not got one yet. I know. He's terrible. Uh, Will Clark? Will Clark. Tied for eighth with 35. There's Howard Johnson. Four. Howard Johnson, seventh with 36. This is so when I read this list, I off, love 87 baseball names. When I, when I read this list off, you're going to laugh because we literally talk about most of these people in the last category. So tied for eighth with Will, uh, Jack Clark is Will Clark. And Jack Mike Clark Sch- was in there. And Mike Schmidt. <laughs> uh, fourth, Dale Murphy of the Atlanta Braves. Ozzie Dale Doback. <laughs> third george bell of the toronto blue jays of 47 and tied with mcguire the only player to become the mvp on a last place team of the andre chicago dawson. cubs andre dawson it was this season he did that uh-huh. no, i forgot about andre dawson let's move on to pitching win leaders let's see here you can get you can get four you can definitely let's get four see, roger clemens roger clemens led the league with 20 he was tied Danny nolan Cox. ryan Nolan Ryan, no. What'd you say, Timmy? Danny Cox. Danny, I don't know who that is. He was a pitcher for the Cardinals. Hmm. No Cardinals made the list. Uh, Frank Viola. Frank Viola tied for ninth with 17. There's two. Oral Fernando Valenzuela. Fernando Valenzuela, no. Oral Hershizer. Oral Hershizer, no. I'll give you guys one uh, one hint on one of these guys. He was the guy that was traded for Randy Johnson. Good clue. Tom Browning. No. No. No Reds on this list. There is a Cub. Rick Sutcliffe. Rick Sutcliffe tied for fourth with 18. Look at us go. We're killing it. One more. We're killing it. <laughs> oh. Dave Stewart Stewart, tied for the league lead with Roger Clemens with 20. Here's the rest of your top 10. All tied for ninth with Frank Biola, Jimmy Key, Blue Jay, Terrell, and Shane Raleigh. Shane Raleigh. Of the Phillies. All tied for fourth. Teddy Higuera, Charlie (laughs) Huff. (laughs) Ah, Teddy Higuera. Charlie Huff, Jack Morris, and Brett Saberhagen. And third, the man traded for Randy Johnson. Of the Seattle Mariners, Mark Langston. Good. Last category. Let's see if you can get two for saves. And no, Timmy, before you guess any, Bobby Thigpen is not one of them. John Franco. 
Fifth with 32. That's why that's the reason why I gave you two. Let's see. If Randy you Myers. One. Randy Myers, no. Dennis Eckersley. No. Lee Smith. Lee Smith second with 36. I win. Here's the rest of your top 10. Dan Plesak of the Milwaukee Brewers. Ah, Dan Plesak. Dave Smith. Roger McDowell. Dave Rigetti. Jeff Reardon. Todd Worrell. Tom Hankey. Oh, and the league leader, Steve Bedrosian of the Philadelphia I loved every one of those names. <laughs> Took me back to my childhood. I love every baseball card I ever got a Tom Hankey because he's always got like the welding goggles on. <laughs> they encompass his entire face every time you said one of those all i could see was those like tops uh rated ro- or no yeah rated no donneras had rated rookies i have that top, whole set in a box had tops had like a uh, what was it it was like rookie of the year candidate or something yeah, Love it. I, I have the entire 1990 and no 92 and 93 upper deck sets and the 93 yeah had a second print off because they had to incorporate the Rockies and Marlins. Terrible. Great. August 16th. It seems like we do this at least twice a month, but Northwest airlines flight 255 crashes in Detroit, killing 154 out of 155 passengers. Couldn't happen to a nicer city. Wow. Air travel statistically is the safest way to travel by far. Yet we do cover a lot of plane crashes on this show. Now, granted, our show has encompassed like 45 years so far. Here it involved a McDonnell Douglas MD-82 that crashed after leaving Detroit Metropolitan Airport that was headed to Sky Harbor International in Phoenix. The plane was built in 1981 and on on this occasion was piloted by 57-year-old John Mouse, who had 31 years of experience. During the pre-takeoff proceedings, there was confusion about proper radio frequencies in the runway that would be used for departure. Initially, the plane missed the correct turn to go onto the runway. A few minutes later, the plane took off from runway 3C, which was the shortest runway on the airport. The plane lifted off the runway and began to roll from side to side just under 50 feet above the ground. About 2,800 feet past the end of the runway, the plane's left wing struck a light pole at an airport car rental lot. The impact caused the left wing to start disintegrating and catch fire. The plane then rolled 90 degrees to the left, striking the roof of an Avis car rental building. The now uncontrolled plane crashed inverted onto Middle Belt Road and struck struck vehicles just north of its intersection with Wick Road, killing two people on the ground in a car. Many of the deceased passengers on the plane were from the Phoenix metropolitan area, including NBA center Nick Vanos, who played for the Suns. Well, the sole survivor of the crash was four-year-old child who appeared in the 2013 documentary Soul Survivor. She did not speak publicly about the crash until 2013 when the documentary was released. That's crazy. In memory of the victims, a black granite memorial was erected in 1994. It stands at the top of the hill at Middle Belt Road and I-94, the site of the crash. On August 16, 2007, the 20th anniversary of the crash, a memorial service was held at the site. For some people affected by the incident, this was their first return to the site since the crash. That, um, yeah. Yeah, I read some of the details about uh, her account when I was researching the story, and wow. Well, she was four at the time, so. Yeah, yeah, that's that's just an unfortunate, unfortunate story. Yeah, killed her whole family. That's crazy. Yeah. But 
August 21st, let's let's bring up the mood here a little bit. Let's head to the movies. As the film which dominated the late 1980s, Dirty Dancing, is released in the United States. I thought you were bringing the mood up. You don't like Dirty Dancing? I'm not a woman. What are you talking about? You've so, seen this? Yes, I have. God. I was, the, you know, you know, it's fun, Tim. We've done this show for two and a half years now, and you are still surprised when I say things like that to get a reaction out of you. <clears throat> the romantic drama was written by Eleanor Bergstein and directed by Emil Ardolino. Emilio! While, that's not what her name is. While starring <laughs> Patrick Swayze, Jennifer <laughs> Grey, Jerry Orbach, and Cynthia Rhodes. Doom, doom. The film takes place in 1963 and is centered around 17-year-old Frances Baby Houseman as she's vacationing with her family in the Catskills Resort. Baby, while spending time here, notices that the upscale workers are told to romanticize the guest's daughters, no matter how unattractive they are. Max also demands the working-class entertainment staff, which includes dance instructor Johnny Castle. I think that was supposed to be demeans, not demands. Baby is attracted to Johnny, and they begin dancing together at a dirty dancing party. The rest of the film is baby. By the way, Dirty Dancing is like they didn't allow dancing in this town. It's not like it's like they like would have footloose. They would have secret uh, strip strip club rendezvous or something. It's just that they're just dancing. I don't think it's strip club. It's not. It's what I just said. Okay, I, I just said that. Thank you. The rest of the film is baby rebelling against her parents and dancing with Johnny. The fa- film was shot in Lake Lure, North Carolina, and Mountain Beautiful Lake, area. Virginia. What? Beautiful area. Yes. The movie did gangbusters upon release, becoming the first movie to sell 1 million copies on VHS. They drew $10 million in 10 days at the movies due to a large word of mouth campaign and became the highest grossing film of 1987, raking in $170 million worldwide. Review aggregator site Rotten Tomatoes gives Dirty Dancing a rating of 72% based on reviews from 74 critics with an average rating of 6.3 out of 10. Does anyone know a woman that doesn't love this movie? I, I haven't met one yet. Never met one. Can I ask you guys a question, though? What? We we have never covered this this year in August on this show, but I feel like we've done Dirty Dancing. Is that I do, po- too. Is that possible? I feel like we've done I it. think we've covered Patrick Swayze and maybe one of the songs. I know we've covered Patrick Swayze. Yes. The site's critical consensus reads... Like its winsome characters, Dirty Dancing uses impressive choreography and the power of song to surmount a series of formidable obstacles. Power of love. Gene Siskel gave the film a marginal thumbs up as he liked Jennifer Grey's acting and development of her character, while Roger Ebert gave it thumbs down due to its idiot plot, calling it a tired and relentlessly predictable story of love between kids from different backgrounds. Yeah, it's Footloose Part 2 in Water. But it's got, I prefer Jennifer Grey to whoever was in Footloose. Um, who was in, no, that's she's Kevin Bacon. I prefer yeah, Jennifer Bacon. Grey to Kevin Bacon. Well, yeah. <laughs> Jennifer Grey is so hot now. Nobody puts baby in a corner. That's correct. Fun facts time. I like it. Patrick Swayze had to convince Jennifer Grey to be in this film because she disliked him so much while filming Red Dawn. I don't want to speak ill of the dead, but I heard he was kind of an asshole at the time. Mm. Smoked a lot of heaters, too, by the Mm. way. He did. 
The dancing that Patrick Swayze and Jennifer Grey do during the love scene was the same dance they did for the screen test. It was not originally supposed to be in the film, but he made that thing move, I guess. I don't know. Gross. The Pembroke, Virginia resort, where many Kellerman scenes were filmed, hosts three dirty dancing-themed weekends a year. I'll skip all three. They include dinners, a sock hop, a screening of the movie, a watermelon toss, which is really odd, group dance lessons, and a dirty dancing scavenger hunt, or just some of the many activities for the agenda, you nerds. Do you think Patrick Swayze's on the scavenger hunt? Find his corpse? Ugh. Jennifer Gray was about hey. to embark. <laughs> Jennifer Gray was about to embark on a publicity tour to promote this movie when she and her then boyfriend Matthew Broderick, which is weird because they were brother and sister, in a movie, ugh, were involved in a head-on collision in their rental car in Ireland, in which the mother and daughter died in August of eighty-seven. Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Love that That's- movie. I was I, I just want to cover that story. Jennifer Gray, Matthew Broderick, head-on collision, killing a mother and daughter. Weird. Patrick Swayze wore a girdle to look thinner and younger. That's okay. all that's all you need to know about this movie. When Johnny is dancing with Penny, she is wearing a custom-made red dress that crisscrossed in the back. Swayze kept getting her fingers stuck in her vag. What? What? I don't. I don't think that's that's what happened. True story. This is a really nice dress. I I guess so. By the way, I've gone through all of the um, previous show topics we've done in the two and a half years of this lawsuit. I know. I can hear it clicking. We've never done dirty dancing, so it had to have been when we covered uh, Patrick Swayze. The show on Netflix, the movies that made us did this, did mm. Dirty Dancing, and it's phenomenal. I need to watch that So show. you've never seen the movie, but you saw the... I've seen the movie. Everybody's seen oh. this movie. I have not seen this movie. I need, I need the boo sound again. Second time I have a show. penis. I've <laughs> not seen it. <laughs> Haven't seen it. Haven't seen it. August 31st, let's go from the movies to the music industry. One of the most popular songs of the 1980s, Bad, by Michael Jackson, premieres during the CBS special, Michael Jackson, The Magic Returns. That, that is, is my That is one of the weirdest. That is, I'm going to censor that, just so you know. But that is one of the weirdest sentences I've ever read in my life. Me singing the song, you're going to censor it? Yeah, yeah, that's not what you said. Was it the song? I said, yeah. your butt is mine. Oh, okay. You better watch your mouth. What'd you think I said? I, just don't worry about it. Bad was the seventh <laughs> single. I repeat, seventh single from the album of the same name that includes I Just Can't Stop Loving You, The Way You Make Me Feel, Man in the Mirror, Dirty Diana, Another Part of Me, Smooth Criminal, Leave Me Alone, and Liberian Girl. The song Bad was recorded in 1986, and originally it was planned to be a duet with Prince, but Prince declined. Prince's reasoning was... The first line of the song is, your butt is mine. Your butt is mine. Who's going to sing that to who? You sure ain't singing that to me, and you sure aren't singing, or you you sure aren't singing that to me, and I ain't singing it to you. I think that would be hilarious. That would be great. That would be so great. Michael Jackson looking at Prince. Your butt is mine. <laughs> Prince then offered Michael the chance to do it. Uh, you, wouldn't you love to love me? Jackson declined, and it was given to Taja Seville. 
what is wrong with them? Like, hey, let's sing love songs to each other. This would be fun. Also, you know what I don't enjoy? Money. So I'm not going to take you up on your duet. Jackson said the inspiration of the song was a true story he read about in Newsweek. The story was about a student who was, quote, from the ghetto, who tried to make something of himself and then went back home. The student was killed while at school. Historians have Historians have deduced that the story Jackson's referencing is the story of Edmund Perry. Bad charted within the top 10 at number eight on the Billboard Hot 100 on October 10th, 1987, and peaked at number one two weeks later, where it remained for two weeks. Bad was commercially successful internationally, generally generally charting within the top 10 and reaching the top positions on damn near every chart. Mm -hmm. Bad debuted at number five on the United Kingdom charts on September 26, 1987. Spot of tea. Yes, that felt good. The following week, the song charted at its peak position of number three, where it remained for two weeks. Bad was well-received by contemporary music critics. Some critics noted that the song helped Jackson's image become more edgy. Well... David Sigerson, a writer for Rolling Stone magazine, commented that the track needs no defense, and he generally praised Jackson's vocal performance in the song. Yeah, oh, we're gonna separate get into, art from artist here. We're gonna get gang warfare. Let me go get my leathers on. I, he should have called this the White Album, though, because this was yes when he appeared white as opposed to black, which he was in his previous album. I don't know how you do that. The full music video for Bad is an 18-minute short film written by novelist and screenwriter Richard Price, shot by Michael Chapman, and directed by Martin Scorsese. What? Okay. Godfather. <laughs> Bad. I got it. David the video has many references to the 1961 film West Side Story, specifically the cool sequence. In the video, Jackson portrays a teenager named Daryl, who has just completed a term at an expensive private school. He returns to the city and takes us away back to his neglected neighborhood. Daryl finds himself in a in home empty, but is later greeted by his old gang friends led by Minnie Max, who is played by Wesley Snipes. Max Minnie? You ain't bad! You ain't nothing! Which is the worst sounding version of that. True. Weird Al Yankovic recorded it. I don't think he says that. Oh. Weird Al Yankovic recorded a parody song entitled Fat for his 1988 album, Even Worse. Love this. This might be the best song he ever did. Jackson granted Yankovic permission to film the music video for Fat on the actual subway set from the bad music video. I wasn't aware that Michael Jackson owned subway stations. So this, this that might be the best parody Yankovic ever did. You and ain't fat. You ain't nothing. And he's done some doozies over the years. This one was really good. Fat was great. Where he blows up. Yes. Um, that because he, he did that and eat it. On, we're on the same album, I believe. No, I think eat it was before that. Well, no, I was released before, but I don't know. Maybe. Um, so that's all the stories. Um, that means it's my turn. That means it's my turn. Hmm. Let's go to Timmy's Trivioki. Figaro. Figaro, 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 Figaro. That's not Tosca. Ugh, my ears. My neck, my back. Yep, I remember. Everyone remembers when Elvis performed that. Uh, 
Jamaica. Ooh, I want to take care of you. Bermuda, Bahama, Gurry, Mama, Ilana, Montego. All right. Here There's we so go. many things to take away now. from that intro now. sequence. And the one thing we've never discussed is when Timmy's singing Jet. That Corey Ryan Forrester is just casually in the back and just getting smashed. That's my. <laughs> <laughs> he had to be able to take it that way. Oh, yeah. All right. Song number one. Clue number one. I love 1980. Saturday Night Fever. That's 77. Oh. This song was originally released on the band's 1982 album, Saints and Sinners, and the power ballad was re recorded for their 1987 self titled album. And I can't tell you who it is or you'll get it right away. Well, thank you for that. Aerosmith. That's the name of the song? Aerosmith? <laughs> Aerosmith. By the dream way, on! Dream on! Worst no. song ever. Clue number two. In 2006, the 1987 version was ranked number 17 on VH1's 100 Greatest Songs of the 80s. Number 17? Yep. Hmm. Okay. Clue number three, the video, which is iconic, includes uh, the band's stage performance and appearances by model Tawny Katane, who was married to the band member David Coverdale from 89 to 91. She's on a Jaguar. She does cartwheels. She's a redhead. She's a ginger. Oh, no cocaine. Uh, the band is white snake. The band oh. is White Snake. That one song by White Snake. Yep. Uh, Dave got it. That's it. Here I go, get it on my own. Why did you say it was an old school? I would have got it then. Like a alone. I made up my mind. I ain't no more time. Time. Here I go again. I loved it. Extra points. What movie was this song featured in heavily? I just said old school. Greatest... Yeah, yeah. TJ wins extra I, points I, for the movies. I just said it. <laughs> oh, I was rocking out. I don't know. And oh, burning okay. my mouth on pizza. Uh, you did do that. I loved it. Like, you guys don't know the song, but I play it and immediately. It was like, oh, yeah. No, I... Yeah. Why did you say it was an old school? I would have got it. Nobody knows White Snake. I know White Snake. White, White Snake doesn't even know White Snake. White Snake sucks. How do you how do you not know David Coverdale, Tawny Katane? Craig Kilborn, baby. I've heard none of the Craig Kilborn. I've heard none of the names that you mentioned in that video. Look Tawny Katane up. You Dave. I mean, I will. You said you was a ginger, that. so I'm already interested. Oh, how, how do you spell it? T-A-W-N-Y. Okay. You put Tawny in it, uh, Katane's immediately. Oh, yeah. gonna... K-I-T-A-E-N naked. Yeah, she has been a lot. Oh, my. Yeah, you're welcome. I'll be back, guys. <laughs> Song number I'm two. going dark. Oh, she was married to Chuck Finley. The pitcher. Yes. He was traded for Randy Johnson. And David Coverdale. <sighs> I'm back. All right. <laughs> Song number two. Clue number one. The music video was directed by Sherman Halsley, Halsey and won the 1988 MDVB. Sherman? Halls, Halls moving on up and won the 1988 <laughs> MTV Video Music Award for Best Video from a Film. White Dirty State. Dancing, incorrect. Um, this song was also clue number two. 
The song was also the fourth wholly non-English language song to top the Billboard Hot 100. Macarena was later featured in the game Guitar Hero World Tour. In a no, not, I almost said in a God of Vida. Um, no, well, that was a, an attempted English. Is the problem with that song? Clue number three: Argentina. It is a Mexican folk song that hit the mainstream in 1958 by Richie Valens. And this version was from his biopic. Yeah. Los Lobos. I love it. I love it. <laughs> I win. Song number three. Clue well, number it's, one. It's one nothing. Nobody got the first song. Sure, I did. Okay. We all did once it went off. Clue number one. Following the 2001 death of television personality and asshat Morton Downey Jr., mm. news reports, obituaries, and Downey's official website incorrectly credit him with being the composer of this song. Yep. Is Morton Downey Jr. Robert Downey Jr.'s brother? No. No. Really oh. enough, they're not related. <laughs> Junior Jr. Clue number two, the music video begins with an announcement of a boxing match with the Fat Boys and the Beach Boys in attendance, but the match is interrupted by a fight. Wipeout. We toured the nation when we got food. We need a vacation. We wanted to party and get a little rest. So we packed our things and headed out west. We got the surfboard, took the beach ball out, jumped in the limousine, and on to my Love I'm it. The, I am probably the biggest Fat Boys fan ever. Obviously, you hang out with me and TJ. Mm. That was great. I love music from 87. TJ has never heard of that song. Nope, I haven't. He literally what? just in there. Huh? I had that album. Can you name the album, Timmy? Oh, um, yes, because I looked I had it, it on tape. Uh, no, I can't. Crushing. Yes. It's them standing on a car. On a car, so you, yeah. You had that on tape. Does that mean you've seen it? That's one of my favorite songs of all time. He doesn't get the no. That was trying to toss it to pitch. him. That was a pitch. Producer, hit the clip. Now it's time for gameplay. Have you seen it? You slip her the hot beef injection. Guys. 
You know, we always focus on Clay Matthews. We don't ever talk about how hot Anna Kendrick is. Anna she Kendrick is hot. Is. I'd like to see her naked. Mm. All right. I wouldn't mind seeing Clay Matthews naked. Ooh. Let's <laughs> <laughs> make sure you guys pay attention. <laughs> That's problematic. All right. TJ Why? leads three to two, and we give him another point for old school. So it's now seven to two. It's okay. He won't. Know, <laughs> he won't know any of these movies. It's fine. Really, I, I got these, Bay Base Kids in the first clue. Yeah, these movies are awesome. I wasn't expecting much because it's 1987, and I was, I was not even quite six yet. So, here we go. Movie number A. Our first movie this week grossed more than 31.6 million at the box office. It's a lot in 87. This is an American teen romantic comedy. An outcast secretly pays the most popular girl and buy me love $1,000 to pretend to be his girlfriend for a month. No. Can't buy me love. And we shall put. Is the Beatles song in there? It's got McDreamy in it. All right, movie number B with the budget of $5 million. Our second movie this week raked in an astronomical $10.3 million at the box office. Yikes. This is an American screwball comedy and is without a doubt one of Dave's faves. Three Amigos. I own, I own this movie. Okay, that helps me none. Listen. Three bumbling orderlies are hired to take care of an old rich man. Humorous mayhem follows. This movie stars 80s rap group, The Fat Boys. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) Disorder. It's like disorderly. Disorderlies. Disorderlies. Timmy again. Yes, this I absolutely love, love, love. This you movie. paid for that movie. So apparently, you're the only one based off their growth. Say, hey, I spent ten point three million. Get all your money and put it in a pile and burn. <laughs> I literally it. spent ten point three million dollars watching this movie. <laughs> I bought the movie theater. <laughs> I bought the fat boy. You could buy them for less than ten million dollars. I bet. Just don't pay by the pound. Well, considering they're all dead now, I'm pretty sure. Because they were fat. I think they're all dead. Are they? Ooh, there's the naked girl again. <laughs> <laughs> I hope the fat boys don't show up naked. Naked. <laughs> um, We can cut this. Looking to see if they're all dead. I think the last one died like last year. Dave still keeping tabs on the fat boys. Nope. Cool, cool Rock Ski is still alive. So we're is good. he skinny now? Yeah, he is. He's a DJ up in New York, last I saw. All right, we're not going to get into that. All right. Movie number three. Perhaps the worst movie ever. Mm, dirty Dancing. Whoever gets it first wins points. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thought that was how the game worked. Movie number three this week had a budget of $22 million. Wow, that's big. 
and grossed a whopping $17.3 million at the box office. Whoops, call that a loss. The heroic warrior He-Man battles the evil Skeletor Let, and uh, armies uh, of darkness uh, uh, to control uh, uh, of Masters of the Universe, Grace, Dolph Lundgren. Timmy C with point zero points. I love that. I love that movie. That movie is terrible. Of course, Timmy likes it. Dolph Lundgren's in it. I enjoy it. Also had Courtney Cox. It did. Did not have Battle Cat, though. Such bullshit. Mm. But it had that little midget. Brad Williams. No, not Brad Williams. The other the other midget. Had long hair and like 74 chins. There's only two? Yeah, just two Great. of them. Max Mini. <laughs> this is Lord Littlebrook. Oh. All right. Movie number D. Our last movie this week is another one of Dave's Faves. With a budget of $14.5 million, movie number D grossed more than $65.7 million at the box office. That's pretty good. And had a sequel. Oh. Two detectives observe an escaped convict's ex-girlfriend. 48 hours. But complications set in when one of them falls for her. And you see her boobies, and she is so hot. Stars Richard Dreyfus, Emilio Estevez, and Madeline Stowe. No, idiot. <laughs> Stakeout. Stars... Stakeout. There you go. 48 hours stars Nick Nolte, you moron. Same thing. Richard, Richard Dreyfus, Dreyfus, Nick Nolte, and Nick same Nolte person. Do, do not look alike at and all. And Gary all. Busey, all of them. Madeline yeah, Stowe person. is still one of the hottest girls in the world. Apparently, 87 is not, uh, not my wheelhouse here for movies. All right. Timmy's killing you. I'm going to have to give you some extra bonus points. Next Thank you. <laughs> One, two, three, four for Timmy. So it's now Timmy. Two. TJ three. Six to three. Timmy's, win- Timmy's losing one and a half to three now. <laughs> well, uh, now that we got uh, the, the fun out of the way, it's time to go to this uh, NWA WCW show. I actually enjoyed it for the most part. This was not fun. There were some things that were not uh, were not necessary by any stretch, but this show took place on August 29th, 1987. For some reason, we've had the lucky fortunes of having a single announce booth three weeks in a row now, because it's just oh Tony God. Schiavone. Oh no, that was just Tony time. Schiavone, and the venue is the WTBS Studios. It's not that cool music I'm used to the opening though. This they transferred to some trash music here. Yeah, well, it, it was this whole show was kind of a letdown. I mean, it was so good, but it wasn't as good as the rest we've seen from this era. We start the show with the highlights from Tully Blanchard and Nikita Koloff as Blanchard defends his television title. Then we see a mustachioed Tony Schiavone in the studio. With dirty fingers. Dirty fingers, yes. Ew. Ew. Match one, NWA United States champion Lex Luger with J.J. Dillon takes on Cougar J. We need to have a legend show where we discuss what Jim Crockett promotions could have pulled off had they not been terrible with their money, because the talent is certainly here. Luger, Arnon Tully, Flair, that's just the four horsemen. And Nikita, Cougar J. And Cougar J. Cougar J. Nikita Koloff, Dusty, Midnight Express, the Cornette, Rock and Roll Express. Hell, the referee in this match is Teddy Long. And actually, it would end up being the referee in every match on this show. They really could Incorrect. have had a great, really could have had a great start heading into the 90s, but instead, by the end of the year, 
we're watching here in 87, they start to have money issues and sell to Turner Broadcasting just over one year from this show, so in 88. Anyway, Luger is wrestling someone named Cougar J, so you know how this ends. I feel like they're trying to make Luger the new flair here with the robe and the entrance and all that jazz. And in case you were wondering, no lie, you can buy a Cougar J 8x10 on eBay for $3.41. I was not wondering, but now I will get one. $3.40 too much. It's not signed or anything. It's just a picture of it. It's just a picture. <laughs> Even better. That makes it 341 too much. The torture rack was such a great finisher in the submission era of pro wrestling. You know, back when people actually submitted and you didn't have to run them over with your car to pin them. Oh, I can't wait uh, to announce next week's show now that you just said that. Yay. No, I quit. This is probably, <laughs> probably not the first time Lex has come across a cougar. Oh, not in 87 for sure. No, definitely. Probably not that day. And they're doing a back-to-school special August 28th. My kids started school August 4th this year. August 28th they're doing back-to-school. School, I think school went back to went back to school, I think, this week up here. Well, the we week of... to school right at, like, the day after Labor Day is when school used to start. The week of the 8th, because we record this, like, you know, a, a month ahead of time, so... Yeah. And Tony does realize that Dusty's not in this match, right? Because he won't quit talking about him. Oh, the whole show. Dusty, Dusty, Dusty. Who cares? And Tony is using the term weaver lock like they use nut shots in ECW. He says it 300 times in the beginning. Um, I'm going to lay down some spoilers here. So they're they're talking about Lex and Dusty because that is the feud going on right now. It's the the, I love they say Dusty is a three-time world heavyweight champion, but he's never won the U.S. title. So what? And then also, <laughs> uh, Weaverlock. Did you guys actually hear what a Weaverlock is later on in the show? Yes, from Luscious Fred Weaver. <laughs> Luscious Fred Weaver. It's a sleeper. Yeah. Yeah. It's an illegal chokehold. Yes. Well, there's that. There's that also. After the match, Should we called from... Brutus up to perfect it. Oh, ew. After the match, we hear from JJ and Luger, and specifically Luger's feud with Dusty Rhodes. JJ is an underrated talker and certainly belongs in the top five manager discussions. It's Heenan, Heyman, Gary Hart, Jimmy Hart, and JJ Dillon, in my opinion. Actually, no, that's not Red true. Hart. That's not true because I left out Cornette. I mean, Cornette's definitely in the. So it's Heenan, Heenan, Heyman, Cornette, Gary Hart, and then I would say Jimmy and JJ are tied. Lugler is clearly reading off to leading off reading off of something written on the lectern on the set. Not a bad promo though. I I, I liked it. I agree. I, he had to have had his promo wrote down because he just looking he just kept down looking down. And talking. The worst part about Luger is is he needed a mouthpiece. He had yeah. the look. He was, I mean, his stupid oh every time he got hit in the ring was bad. But he definitely had the look for pro wrestling. He had the attitude, but he was terrible at promos. Well, and and killing women outside the and, ring and a murderer. <laughs> <laughs> that took a turn I wasn't expecting. Match two, gorgeous Jimmy Garvin with Precious takes on John Savage. Garvin's coming off of a great run in Dallas and is another guy who doesn't get his fair shake in wrestling. The Garvin, Precious, and Sunshine angle lit Dallas on fire. Probably one of the better working heels of the time, but most people only remember him as the other Freebird. Savage gets a surprising amount of offense in, but the now babyface Jimmy Garvin hits a brain buster and gets the win. Which was vicious. So this guy's last name is Savage. Do you think he's related to Macho Man? No, they didn't look anything alike. He, was, he didn't even have a facial hair. Okay. 
Neither did Leaping Lanny. Leaping Lanny had a mustache. Oh, yeah. Barely facial hair. She talks shit to me. And then they're using Jimmy Garvin's match to foreshadow the Ronnie Garvin taking of the title. I like it. And then this real life, Ronnie Garvin was Jimmy's uncle, but they keep calling his brother. They well, didn't want him to know that Ronnie was old. Yeah, probably. Terrible. More on that later, actually, because I bring that up. This John Savage guy actually had a pretty decent career in Japan. Mm. He never made it in the U.S., but apparently he was well-loved by everyone and legit one of the nicest guys in the business. That's good to a hear. A fan gave him a jacket that said Johnny on it, and it was spelled wrong. And he wore it his entire career just because he didn't want to hurt the fans' feelings. Wow. That's, yeah. Wow. Dang. I need to meet this guy. Get him on StarCast. He's dead. Is he dead? I don't know. Oh, see? He's still wearing that jacket. After the match, Garvin cuts a babyface promo about Luger and Garvin, and he is a much better heel than a a babyface by Miles. This promo is not as good as Garvin could do, and if he says super fans one more time, I was going to throw my white rain hairspray through the TV. Because <laughs> you need it now. Mm-hmm. Well, I like agree, TJ. Garvin Garvin's is a trash baby face. He needs to be a crazed free bird. Or a pilot. Or a pilot. He is a real life pilot. When we're back from break, Tony tells us we're going to Fayetteville, North Carolina to watch the TV title match between Tony and Nikita Koloff. And indeed, that is the match here as we join it in progress. I think the referee is the one who was revealed as the evil twin Hebner. Earl, baby Earl. I know. I was trying to play in kayfabe, uh, Timmy. This match and this feud was born because of the injury to Magnum TA in the fall of 86, which we've covered. After challenging Flair for the world title at Starcade 86, he is now in a feud for the TV title with uh, Magnum's biggest nemesis. We have the false finish where Nikita gets the pin, but Hebner is tied up with J.J. Dillon. This match has two what-ifs in the ring. Nikita retired earlier to tend to his sick wife, and rightfully so. No one blames him for that. And Tully left the WWF with Arn in 89 and essentially vanished from wrestling. Koloff gets the figure four at one point, but J- Dylan takes his eyes, rakes his eyes to break the hold. Then we get a Dylan bump, a ref bump, and out comes Double A and gives Tully some nucks. Tully, Tully connects and goes to the pin, but Barry Windham breaks up the pin. Everyone's out here. We have a brawl, and Nikita ends up getting the pin and wins the TV title. This ending was nonsense. I don't know how nobody was disqualified, but the match itself before that was really good. And I I know what happened with Tully. He went to UWF. Herb Abrams, UWF. Because he he was in the AWA first. Remember we watched that pay-per-view with no announcers? Oh, that was great. He liked the cocaine. Yes. Crowd is definitely hot for this match, though. Like you said, man, NWA in 87, those crowds were so on fire. For everybody, too. And why is the ring apron for their house show so much cooler than the regular ring apron they use on TV? That yellow popped. You know what's funny? That's the first thing I noticed when this match came on. I'm like, that ring apron looks better on their house show than that shit they have on TV. With that better than the green. green. Yep. Nikita really good at jumping out of the ring here in 87. That's a, he did that for like 10 minutes. I don't know what he was doing. Although looking at this floor, I don't think I'd want to lay on it like he's doing. No. I, it, there's definitely piss on that floor. <laughs> and AIDS. Mm. And the commercial break they go to in the middle of the match doesn't add to it, nor does Nikita's hungry butt. 
Oh, and Hungry Butt's always added to the match. No, not Nikita's. Nope. You're lucky his ding dong didn't flop out. <laughs> Watching this match, though, I think we were cheated out of that Ultimate Warrior Nikita Koloff match. I think that would have been a banger. What? Yeah. Ultimate Warrior Nikita Koloff? No, it'd have been awful. It'd have been great. And I'm going to say the bump of the match was Earl. Earl going out of that ring. I, I don't know how he got back. Could and you imagine G- the promo between Nikita Koloff and the Ultimate Warrior? <laughs> They should have been attacked. Nikita Koloff. <laughs> I mean, neither one was okay. <laughs> I crush you with my Russian sickle wiener. Oh. No. Wow, that's a, that took a turn. <laughs> Jesus Christ, how tall was Barry Windham? He's like six inches taller than Nikita. He's like six, seven, I think. Tall bastard. Once Nikita got off the steroids, he looked so small. He lost all of his muscle. Mm-hmm. Especially when he came back in like 92. Good yeah. Lord, he looked like a skinny Timmy. Mm. Mm. Hurtful. Why were for, NWA for matches me? always so dark? I always thought they would have been perceived as a better company if they had production value like the WWE did. Everything had, just looked poor. They had Dusty. Poor. Everything was poor. <laughs> Literally and physically. <laughs> the ending didn't make much sense, but you know, the crowd was super excited for all this. And I loved how all the faces came to the ring, like when Luger beat Hogan for the WCW title 10 years after this. Big deal. It was a big deal. <clears throat> when we go back to the studio, we see Dusty Rhodes in a Mirror High Life hat. He's yelling and screaming about Lex Luger. And this is a very good promo from Dusty. I know that's weird to say. He didn't have a lot of them. Why does Dusty never wrestle on these shows? Because he's Dusty. Because he's booking. That's why. Flair would wrestle on them. And and you can tell. You can tell Dusty's booking this because this show is all about Dusty. Mm -hmm. Dusty is correct. Lex Luger is not the heartbeat of America. Today's Chevrolet is the today's Chevrolet. Yeah, Jesus, everybody knows that. That's very good. Match four: the Mod Squad takes on the Italian Stallion and Kendall Wyndham. I remember Kendall Wyndham from the West Texas Rednecks. I had no idea he was in WCW in '87. Neither does he. Here's how. Here's how this match was booked: the Mod Squad is a decent power team. Kendall Wyndham is a future star, and the Italian Stallion is a dope who doesn't tag in when he should. <laughs> After a decent match, we get a time limit draw. After the match, the Mod Squad beats the Italian Stallion like a government mule, if I can steal a line from JR. TJ, you said Kendall Wyndham's a future star? No, that's not what I said. <laughs> you when? did. No, I said he's booked like one in this match. This was 36 years ago, and he ain't made it big yet. <laughs> well, you know, when you when you have to go to prison for a while. <laughs> Shouldn't have been counterfeiting there yeah oh thieving ass fake money the italian stallion was 29 years old here he looked like he was 45 yes and his claim to fame he trained the hardy boys that's it because i don't think he ever won a match and i swear the mod squad has jim neidhart's twin brother in it looks just like him so those guys were actually brothers the mod yes. squad, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
and Jim Neidhart, they were all brothers. Yeah. Their names are Fred and Stanny Neidhart. <laughs> Natty's uncles. I think the Italian stallion might be the wrong name for this guy, though. He's more like the Italian sausage. Or, <laughs> or he eats a lot of Italian sausage. See, One Timmy does it again. That was a good joke. And good. now we're going to ruin it right here with something stupid. Watch. Teddy Long pulling off the skullet here like no one else can. Well, that's Good. just a fact. So, And as we enter hour 11 of this match, nothing has happened still. This thing takes forever. This makes me miss the promo fest that we watched from 86 or 87 a few weeks ago. And fabulous a time limit draw. Good thing I'm wearing my Knicks. Knicks are not for poops. I don't know if you knew that. Well, the... Time limit draws get my panties wet. That's well established. This is it's called intro. poo nicks. Poo nicks. <laughs> and did the mod squad in the promo say they Schnicks. were tired of winning? That's what they said. We're tired of beating everybody. What? Okay. Shivani now recaps the Great American Bash Tour and holds up a VHS copy of the War Games. I need this tape. I've rented it several times. I had this tape. tape. I rented, I rented it like every other week. I'm gonna it's Google gotta it. be on. Is, is is it not on the network? No, it is. But I want the actual tape. I collect VHS tapes. I don't know. I had it. That. I would have given it to you. I threw it away a few you years bitch. ago. Then he talks wiped, about wiped his ass with the cover and then threw it away. <laughs> then he talks like about that hard plastic 80s. with the paper inside. Yes. So it would have it would have made me bleed from the butthole if I did that. <laughs> you need nicks. Then he talks about Starcade '87 before bringing the Mod Squad for an interview. Match five, Jimmy Valiant takes on Tim Hardy. Would you believe that Jimmy Valiant was 45 years old here? Yes. Boogie Woogie Man looked like he was 80. Yes. I believe Tim Hardy is working the match in his blue BVDs. He literally has the only blue trucks I've ever seen with a white waistband. I've never seen that before in my life. <laughs> I, need to know why the de- <laughs> I need to know why the decision was made to air Tully and Nikita before this match. I've been ready to not watch the, uh, this show since that match finished. Valiant wins with an elbow drop. Elbow drop. Isn't Valiant and ZZ Top? Uh, yes. Thought so. Double back. I recognize this Tim Hardy character. I think he was the villain in Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Nice. I know you are, but what am two, I? Two good jokes. Look at this Mystery guy. Mystery man. Back to Tony as he pitches to a clip of Ric Flair cutting a promo about his Starcade opponent, Ronnie Garvin. Although Flair barely mentions Garvin as he just pushes up the horseman, which is fine, I guess. He covers all the feuds the factions involved in. This feuds where Garvin actually won the belt from Flair and held it for a couple months so he could drop it back to Flair at Starcade, which was the same day as Survivor Series 87. Think these so, guys didn't know what the other was doing? So no one remembers it. Correct. Yeah, no, nobody seen it. Match six, Barbarian with Paul Jones takes on Rocky King. This is the one thing I will say that the NWA was missing. Sometimes when you're just trying to smash a big man over like the Barbarian, you just have to go to Rocky King and say, hey, man, sorry, but you're not getting any offense in. Barbarian's going to beat you in four minutes of this finish. Instead, we get a quasi-competitive match between the two, and you're wondering, why is it taking a monster of this size so long to put this tiny guy away? Barbarian hits a power slam and then a diving headbutt for the win. This Rocky King guy is the dude that joined the Freebirds and wrestled as Little Richard Marley. Remember him? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
I didn't know Barbarian had the same finishing move as Bam Bam Bigelow. <laughs> I agree, TJ. I felt like 30 seconds into this match, it was 30 seconds too long. He should have squashed him. So apparently, so- Rocky King came in and started wrestling, and the promoters really liked him. And supposedly, he's a really great guy. And although he was a quote-unquote jobber, they liked him so much that they let him have offense in his matches and make him look competitive. Did Rocky King have a jacket that said Rocky, but it was R-O-Q-Y on the back? Probably. Okay. What? And then Shivani says that Rocky King weighs 230 or 240 pounds. That means I'm 687 pounds if he weighs 230, 240 pounds. Well, I could have told you that. He was like a buck 40. I'm going to start calling you Yoko. <laughs> Correct. Yoko Clements. <laughs> now we get a promo backstage of Ric Flair and the assorted baby faces chasing for his title after the ad break. Then we're back with Shivani and we're going to Bob Cottle and Ron Garvin. Garvin and I share a birthday. And he looks great here, but he can't finish his sentence in this promo. He's just sort of meandering around in his thoughts. By the way, he's 42 years old when this promo is cut. You're 42 then? He's 42. You said you share a birthday. The same day, not the same year. Oh. Garvin's title win and reign have been a hot topic of debate over the years. Why Ron and not someone like Nikita or Barry Windham is still befuddling a lot of wrestling fans. I enjoyed that Garvin almost dropped the F-bomb in his promo. Did you guys see that? Yes. That was great. I think Garvin should be the full-time ring announcer. He was was really good as a ring announcer. So what was that, Survivor Series 88? No, SummerSlam. SummerSlam Uh, SummerSlam 89. SummerSlam. He claims he's from Seattle, Washington. Yeah. How does Garvin get on television with a shirt being frayed like it is? That, like... Cool looking shirt, but then there's like a string just hanging off the side. I'm like, fix that. You're on television. You can't do that on television. It's like what on your wedding day. Match seven, Denny Brown takes on Mike Jackson. I think Mike Jackson's been on every Jim Crockett show we've ever covered in the 27 months we've been doing this podcast. Well, that's That's my boy, action Mike Jackson. He's wrestled for 70 years now. He's the NWA's Terry Taylor, was my next note. (laughs) (laughs) Jackson was only 37 years old in this match, and he's still wrestling today. Well, this match brought me back into the show, as this was a very good match with some decent high flying. Both guys get a lot of offense in with Mike Jackson, hits a belly-to-back suplex that pins both men's shoulders to the mat, but Brown lifts his shoulder. Jackson does not. Denny Brown's your winner. I kept waiting for Jackson to walk the ring ropes as he goes around the whole ring like the Undertaker when doing old school, but it never happened. I was so disappointed. <laughs> Mike Jackson was how old here? 37. He looked 50. And how is he still wrestling? Yeah. Anyone. Anyone. <laughs> and Dave, I'm I'm pretty sure Danny Brown lives somewhere in Huntsville. He looks like he lives in a trailer park in Alabama. Probably. That's rude. Match eight. South Central Huntsville. Gross. South South Central Alabama. Sean Royal of the New Breed takes on Larry Stevens. We might have to do a show just on the New Breed because I looked them up and what a story this team is. You're talking about a colossal gaggle. Royal's partner, Chris Champion, is out injured from a car accident here. And my goodness, the nonsense begins after that. 
Rolla hits a top knee drop for the win. Which, by the way, this match was shorter than the Barbarian Rocky King. <laughs> so the new breeds from twenty or from two thousand and two. So now they're known as the vintage breed. Yep. Yeah, I liked when he said uh, Chris Champion was out because they were in a vintage nineteen eighty seven Oldsmobile and they were in a car accident, a f- a fatal car accident. No, they did say fatal. Um, does he know that fatal means you're dead? <laughs> no. Royal actually retired shortly after this and became a construction worker. How bad must the money been for those guys? Terrible. And this guy's name was actually Stephens, not Stevens. Mm. And his uncle Larry. So Royal is part of the new breed. I feel like I heard that before. New breed. They use that again. They had new blood in WCW. Same thing. Whatever. This dude's gimmick is that he's from the future. I love it. An antique 1987 automobile in 1987. (laughs) And it's also hilarious that he says he will rule wrestling till 2002. Dude actually retired in 2002. He retired in 1987. Nope, he retired. No, the new breed actually came back. I looked it up too. The new breed actually came back and teamed up again for a couple more years. NWA Wildside. I understand why you think he retired though, Dave, because nobody knows about the NWA Wildside. Yeah. When we come back from break, Shivani is still with Sean Royal. The new breed is a futuristic tag team who may possibly be from another planet. Oh, look at that. He just referenced the wreck. Although he said it was fatal, I didn't see that in my research. No one's dead. What the hell's going on here? <laughs> we go from that to Tony and JJ. We talk more about Tony and Nikita's great TV title match in Greenville. Or is it Fayetteville? I don't remember now. We then pitch to a video of the Rock and Roll Express beating two schmucks when the horsemen run in and attack the Express, specifically Ricky Morton. Robert Gibson clears the ring with a chair. Listen to this crowd. They're going ape shit over the and Rock could, and Roll you Express. You couldn't see a one of them. No. Tony says we'll be right back with the Raging Bowl. Paul Jones and many others. There's seven minutes left in this show. How many is many others? I like this is Arn and Tully establishing their run to the tag team championships. Why is this new breed guy wearing sunglasses inside? Looks like a complete moron, just like Timmy C. <laughs> Maybe I should get a sandwich and eat it while we're doing the show. There you go. I hope you burn your mouth on peanut butter and jelly sandwich. <laughs> That's weird. How that, that would be happen? a weird thing to burn my mouth on. I burned my mouth on ice cream. Wait, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> Match nine. Manny Fernandez with Paul Jones takes on Ricky Nelson. What is with the blonde spot in Manny's hair? It doesn't even make sense where it is. Uh, Manny dominates and gets the win. Total squash match, and thank God this show is over. Way too long. No, it's not over yet. Who had the better? It was for me. I turned it off. Okay. Who had the better <laughs> flying burrito? Manny Fernandez or Tito Santana? Tito. I said Tito. Yeah. Tony says when the ball gets going, he's like a dynamo. I mean the, the bull. bull. Bull, not the ball. It could not be it. the bull's balls. Ew. That's not what I think of when I look at Manny Fernandez. Not a dynamo. He looks like Juan Jeremy. <laughs> Good Lord, TJ, does this show ever end? No, but you've had three good jokes now, so we probably should shut it up, shut it down before you ruin it. 
Juan's finishing maneuver is called the flying burrito. Judging by his size, it looks like it's several hundred flying burritos. Okay, we're right on the line now. We're right on the line. (laughs) (laughs) And they're going to say Mr. Jones and me. Mr. Jones and me. After the match, we get a promo from Paul Jones. He's yelling and screaming about something. I don't really understand what because he's talking about feuds and matches that don't include his staple. He's just a dollar store Burt Reynolds dressed like one of the three amigos. He's got a new signing in his stable. Nobody cares. We go off the air. You know what he should have said? I'm going to be a big star. Shut up. He should have. If he wanted if he wanted to rule wrestling, he should have signed former WCW World Heavyweight Champion and Florida State Seminole legend Ron Simmons. Very good. Right at the end. I like it. Well, if you enjoyed this week's episode, please let us know. Review, rate, and subscribe wherever you get this podcast. Make sure to follow the show on Twitter at FF Popcast, on Instagram at Filter Free Popcast. Follow our Patreon network at Filter Free Net. Follow our parent network at Watch On Premiere. As for us, you can find us all on our social media platforms at Timmy C. At Timmy C. 1979. Dollar Bill Dave. At Rocket City Dave. And I am at T Stevens 91 next week. We're only going back a few years, and it's going to be a stark difference from the show we just watched. We're going to watch AEW All In 2019. How's that? This is okay. This is okay. No, that was two years later. That was okay. Barney's is closing up. Measles makes a comeback. It's raining plastic and so much more. This has been the Filter Free Podcast, and so long for now. Joke of the week. Listen. There's these two nuns on bicycles and they're headed back to the convent and they get lost and take a wrong turn down a cobblestone street. One nun looks at the other and says, I've never come this way before. The other nun says, it's probably the cobblestones. (laughs) (laughs) 